Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My mind, you just wake up and go rake. Seawall to strike away. Here he comes. Cave, a fly ball to right field over his Carroll. He's got it. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to the World Series. The Diamondbacks have won the National League pennant. And the Fall Classic will return to the desert for the first time in 22 years. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. Episode 103, the Diamondbacks, Brooksy. The Snakes. We have a World That's... Series matchup, and it's featuring the Arizona Diamondbacks. You got to love baseball, man. There's no way. I know someone's going to say they did, but had this pick as like their number one option. Like, this is who's going to get to the World Series. Like, I could see the Rangers being someone's pick, but not the 84 win Diamondbacks. Yeah, the Rangers were like one of the best teams in baseball. At I one mean, point this through season. like the first what hundred and ten games, hundred we'll say hundred games. I don't know what their record is. We'd have to look that up through hundred games. But they were like, I'll put it this way: they were winning the AL West for hundred and fifty nine days, and wow. ended up losing it to the Astros. Now they're both like ninety win teams, but they kind of it was a decent division with with you know, with Seattle in there, and then obviously the Angels were good for like the first half of the year, so they kind of beat up on each other a little bit. But um, man, I didn't. I, I mean, that's just part of the playoffs, right? It's just like who gets hot right now, who can line up their pitching. Getting Max Scherzer back was huge for the Texas Rangers. Um, the Diamondbacks having Brandon fought like breakout party he had a 5.72 era on the regular season right he went to triple a worked on some things every time he came back he was a little bit better a little bit better do you see the amount of swing and misses he's getting he had 17 swing and misses and then i think in his last start in game three he had 16 swing and misses or it was excuse me it was 16 last night it was 17 in game three and 13 in and uh the nlds wow like Yesterday, they took 33 swings against him, and 16 were misses. Mm-hmm. That's insane, bro. He's throwing nasty sinkers, and that slider is filthy. And wow, you add that on top of Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon didn't have a great series, but I still trust him to go out there and have some good stuff. He was off. That's exactly what you need for a playoff run is just some kind of guy Somebody's comes out of nowhere. 100%. Like, there's always a diamond in the rough. Yes. On a playoff team, like who pops up out of nowhere? Boop! There's our there's our guy, right? And like the Diamondbacks liked his stuff, but for a guy to have nearly a six ERA in the regular season, and then like a flip of the switch, who figures it out in the post? Who figures it out at Citizen Bank Park in front of those crazy fans in that atmosphere in the biggest games of his life? And he throws together two of his best starts of his career. Yeah. In the big leagues. It's a short career. He just got to the big leagues this year. I get it. But like those were his best two starts in the big leagues. And they were on the biggest stage to go to the World Series, dude. How sick is that? Bravo. That was that was awesome. They asked Bryce Harper, you know, about his response and what he thought of the Diamondbacks. And he, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, like, those guys you could tell just were not scared of anything. 
Like they weren't scared to come here to the bank. They weren't scared to play the powerful lineup of the Phillies. Um, and Corbin Carroll talked about essentially that same subject after the game. Corbin Carroll said, we, we liked coming here. Like the environment, the fans, like, yeah, it was rowdy. But he, he was saying like, none of us talked about like it being hostile. N- nobody talked about us it, it, it being like, like they, suffering. They, here's the word. Like, they fun. embraced. They embraced it. Yes. And they and they didn't let it bring them down. They they fed off of it like it was a home crowd. Mm-hmm. That you have that's the route you have to go, man, when you're playing in places like that. If you let it shake you, you're dead. You're dead. So we can both agree. Once the Diamondbacks took the lead, what was it? The sixth inning, I want to say it was. Well, last night they took the lead in the first. Right, but then the, the Phillies came back. Right. And, and then the Dare Zone Diamondbacks jumped back ahead. We can both agree that once the Diamondbacks took the lead in the second half of that game, all of a sudden you could feel the pressure. Mount. Yeah, just kind of like that. Oh shit! Yeah, like the like Diamondbacks the are not go, supposed oh, to be. Oh shit! Like, well, right, when they tied it at one, I, I'm thinking, here come the Phillies. Like, all right, yes. And then boom, single score a run. Boom, single score a run, and I'm like, never mind. They keep punching back, man. They just keep punching back. And you know, there's a lot of question, Rob Thompson. And like, why did why did he keep pitching to Corbin Carroll? Because coming into in this series, coming into the game seven, he was 0 for 10 against left-handed pitching. That's why he saw pitches. Also, on top of that, let's say, okay, he gets a knock his first at bat, knock his second bat. Let's say, okay, third at bat. Why would you pitch to him? Because Gabby Moreno's behind him. You're gonna have to pick your poison. I would rather go lefty lefty against a guy that's got a couple knocks than go against Moreno, the right hander, who is gonna see the ball better against a left handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. So you have to pick your battles there. So I, that that clears that up for me. Easy, for sure. His first two at bats, zero for ten, one for ten against left handed pitching. Of course, I'm gonna keep going that with that matchup. Why wouldn't you? Corbin got off to a really slow start in the series too. He wasn't. He I mean, he's kind of getting on base, drawing walks a little bit, but he really wasn't putting the ball in play well. He definitely was not swiping bags. All of a sudden, game six, game seven came along. The Diamondbacks, probably credit to Tori Lovello and his staff, noticed something with the Phillies that all of a sudden they're like, hey, they're either looking once, they're looking twice, whatever it may be, and then they were just off to the races on JT Real Muto. I don't and think Mito's got good. the best part time in baseball, right? right? So it was still relatively close plays, but that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Just that split second jump. If you have something, if you see like, okay, like they're not mixing their signs or not their signs, they're not mixing their looks and they, you know, you, you develop a, a rhythm as a pitcher, like look once go. All right. Look twice. Go look once go. You got, you know, you were a pitcher. Like you had probably a thing in your mind, like, Oh, I'm going to keep mess. I'm, sw- I'm switching it up, but you switch it up the same all the time. And it becomes a pattern, and that's that's how you that's how you get good jumps. So guys like me, you stole bases. Can you just talk about Tori Lavelle a little bit? Oh my god, dude, he's. I'm trying to think the best way to explain him. Like, he was okay. So he was super calming to have around. Like you could have just such a good conversation with him, and he would kind of calm you down and talk you off a ledge sometimes. But in that same breath you could feel how stressed he was because he cares so much. Mm. And so it's a little bit of both. It humanized him, right? It did because like when I would struggle, I felt like he struggled with me. When Dustin Pedroia would struggle, he would struggle with him. That wasn't much, but he struggled with me a lot more than Dustin. (laughs) But he just, for a manager of of a 
major league team, he genuinely like loves and cares about his players more than any manager I've ever been around. He wasn't my manager. He was my bench coach, but there's a big difference. And um, that matters. That matters to guys. It matters, especially when you have a young team uh, and an inexperienced team in big games like the Diamondbacks are. You have a ton of guys who haven't been there, haven't done that. Um, and when you have a manager who goes, hey, guys, we're right where we need to be. You got to go go there and win two games. You know what? Torrey doesn't really say much in the media, but he did. He did. I think he, that was just kind of him standing up for his team. You know, the whole, like, we're not traveling there to get our ass kicked. Like, he doesn't say shit like that in the media. So I think him speaking up like that kind of maybe fired up. It's kind of like the dad that, like, never yells at you. Like, it's always calm. Like, but, like, if you if, and if you screw up and they do yell at you, they do get pissy, you're like, whoa. I must have really, you know, not that they're in trouble, but just that effect of, like, he doesn't say a whole lot publicly. So when he did, they got their attention. Like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. let's go. That's being a communicator. Oh, dude, he's just, he's, that's a good word. I should have used that. He's a very good communicator. Um, and like I said, I had him as a bench coach, not a manager. So he's like assistant head coach, assistant manager, basically. Um, but man, he just, the best way to describe him is he just cares so much. It's not about him. Like ego aside, pride aside, he, none of it has to do with him and how he feels or what he's going to get. He wants it for those players and the family and the front office. Mike Hazen was uh, an assistant GM with the Red Sox when he was there. Mike Hazen was my minor league director, farm director when I was coming up. So there's another guy who's an assistant GM over there. His name's Amiel Sawade. He was uh, a high up in the front office in Boston when I was here. So all those guys have been together for a while. And they generally, all three of those guys, Amiel came to my house in high school after I was drafted to come watch me hit in a cage when we were trying to figure out like, am I going to sign with the Red Sox? Like it, him, Hazen, like all these guys came to Texarkana, Texas to watch me hitting him out in a cage. Like it was pretty cool, but that's way I'm getting off the tracks as it's what I do. But Tori Lovello is a special, special person. So you're saying this is a lineage of Boston Red Sox. If the Diamondbacks, you know, continue on and, and lift that trophy. I think I know. I, I don't want to make this about the Boston Red Sox at all. I, I just want to say, I think these guys learned a lot from their time in Boston. And I think um, the best teacher is experience. And they did it in a really tough market in Boston. So going to Arizona, you know, that's not the same market. It's not the same media market. It's not the same fan base. It's not the same pressure to win. But if you take that mentality into a clubhouse and into an organization, it filters down and all of a sudden winning matters regardless of what market you're in and what your fan, but not that their fans don't care. They have good fans. It's just not the same as like an East coast, like Boston, New York. Like it's not, it's not like that. It's just different in in Arizona. The the diamondbacks are weird to me. And I kind of shared this out on Twitter, but uh, they've only been around since 1998. They're an expansion team. They're the youngest franchise in major league baseball tied with the Rays, And yet they're headed to their second world series. They've played in three NLCSs. They actually already have a ring. In what, like 20, yeah, 25 years. Yeah. They already have a ring from beating the Yankees in 02. So, yeah. like 25 years, three LCSs, NLCSs, two World Series, one ring. And it's not like we think of the Diamondbacks as if they're this dominant franchise. Like they, they don't make the playoffs 
far more often than they make the playoffs. And yet those fans have actually experienced quite a bit when you consider this franchise has only been around since 1998. It's really strange. Like, I think we more so think of the Diamondbacks as kind of a, frankly, piss poor organization overall. When you look at this, I I wouldn't even say that. I I just think of them as like mid, just mid as they get. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the word, right? There's average. Like, they'll have some okay years and then they'll stink. Like, two years ago, they lost 100 games. Yeah. So did the Rangers, though. Right. And here we are. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So we are going to have in the World Series, the eighth best record, who are the Texas Rangers, taking on the 12th best record. And I'm talking about regular season records here, people. Eighth best regular season record versus the 12th best regular season record. The Diamondbacks had the 12th best regular season record. Keep in mind, the Atlanta Braves hoisted the trophy in 2021 at the 11th best record in Major League Baseball. What about what about like the Nationals in 2019? There you go. Ask me questions I don't. Well, that was a smaller answer. pool. I think that was the 10, yeah. 10 team playoff system. That was before they expanded. Hold please. They had to have been like the 10th ninth or 10th. I think they were the last team in. 1 2 3 9. They were the ninth best ninth. Okay, so okay. They were the worst in the NL, is what it was. Yeah. To get in. Believe it or not, they were only the third, what was that? Third worst. So it went Milwaukee got in at 89 and 73. Then St. Louis got in at 91 and 71. And then Washington at 93 and 69. In 2019? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought they were the last wild card team. No. Well, they, okay, they got okay. up to a really, really slow start. They were a wild card team, though. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, they had a terrible start, and then they got in fuego. Yes. That's right. Okay. All right, move on. Let's, let's stick with this year. Sorry. I. Yeah. But I'm just seeing narrative around saying this decentivizes the regular season. This is bad yeah. for baseball. This isn't good for ratings. Blah, 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 blah. What do you think about the eighth best record versus 12th? <laughs> well, it's, well, it's not good for ratings because it's not the Yankees and the Dodgers. Because it's not a, the big fan bases in the World Series. Is that why it's bad for baseball? Well, guess what? When So this is what happens. When smaller market teams go to the World Series, their market grows. So this is, in a sense, all those fans of the big market team are still going to be fans of the big market team. But now the small market team maybe generates more fans because they're I, good. I like that you brought this up. I have that same theory. Like, I, I understand. No, you know who it's bad for? It's bad for people who rely on TV ratings right now. Mm-hmm. That's who it's bad for. But it's good for the game itself as far as growth of the game, growth of markets. That's one of one of the reasons of the expanded playoff system. Because of you allow fan bases in, you do allow this, this chance of like a team squeaking in to win it. I get that. Um, but it's also more money. We talked about that in previous podcast that this is an expanded playoff structure is more for the revenue sharing of the league and you know they make more money is what it is um but in the grand scheme of things i think it's great for baseball i think it's great for the texas rangers who've never won a world series ever they've been an out away from a world series twice and didn't win sorry nelson cruz thanks a lot freeze david David freeze Huh? It's a good job, David Freeze. Yeah, thanks, bud. 
if you can't tell, I so I grew up a diehard Texas Ranger fan. So I try to not be biased here. I obviously work for the Red Sox. I cover all 30 teams with CBS. But deep down, I am a massive Texas Ranger fan. I grew up a Texas Ranger fan because I, I was born about 35 minutes away from their stadium. I lived in a small town about 45 minutes away. My best friend had season tickets on the third base side. We would go to Texas Rangers games all the time. Them and the Dallas Cowboys. Those are my teams. They still are. The Cowboys. I'm not diehard Rangers fan right now. But um, so there's a little boy in here that is fired up for him. There's an analyst in here that thinks the Diamondbacks have a better chance to win it. Really? Yeah. I think it's close. I think it's a good matchup. I'm just, I'm looking like Arizona has a better bullpen. I'll say that. They're hot. They're hot right now. They're hot. Kevin Ginkle and Paul Seawald on the back end. Good luck. Ginkle looks like the most uncomfortable at bat in all of baseball. That slider he throws, it's slider spin, but it goes straight down, dude. I don't know how he does it. Talk about death ball by Jordan Montgomery. What do you call that? That is that is one of the nastiest off. It's 87 miles an hour, bro, and it moves like a curveball. Yeah. It's nasty. And you got Paul Seawall throwing invisible fastballs at 93, dick hole down the middle, and guys can't touch it. It's 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 a it's a it's spin and it's his vertical approach angle, right? It rises. Yeah. So it's like a normal approach angle, like Garrett Cole is like on top of the ball right here. And if you freeze frame, his release point is right here. Now, if you look at a guy like Seawald or Joe Ryan or Max Scherzer, they release the ball kind of tilted to the side and lower. So if you release the ball with the same amount of spin, this guy's ball is going to work down, right? This guy's ball is going to stay flat and have less vertical drop. So it's going to have the optical illusion of rising or staying above your barrel. So it's really hard to hit. That's why you see so many awkward swings. And then all of a sudden, guys are like, man, this feels like 100. I got to really get the head out and speed up and then he drops the fucking hammer on you and you look like a dildo right like those guys are nasty yeah. they're really good and now that they have fought and they have a legit legit right now i would say legit third starter yeah he was their best pitcher in this series he you could make the argument he should Merrill won. kelly was good Merrill kelly was good mm-hmm. zach gallon did not have a good series he got hit brandon fought stepped up and put his sack on the table and said let's go boys yeah he was filthy. I think the MVP award went to the right guy in Ketel Marte. Oh, yeah. But you, you definitely could have, you do have a case to argue for Brandon Fott being the MVP. Oh, I, I think he, he was, it, it was right there. I was watching it and I'm like, there's a chance that this goes to Fott. And then I kind of see him kind of chauffeuring Ketel up there. And I'm like, ah. I think Ketel deserved How it. cool would that have been, though? 25 year old rookie. He went to some podunk college. I don't even know the name of it. Bella something. Not, me, not a D1, me, yeah. not a. Not a big school. Yeah. 25 year old rookie. Yeah. Not some superstar 21 year old. He grinded up and down. And then what he, man, he was their best arm. He was their best starter. Longest hit streak to begin a postseason career, Catel Marte. 16 straight games. And by the way, he's one game away, one game from tying the longest overall hit streak in postseason history. Not to start a career, not to end a career. No. Longest hit streak in postseason. Was history. it with Ty, Ty Cobb? It's seventeen games. I don't have who. I don't know who it is, but he's one game away. I don't probably know. Like Ty Cobb. It's probably like Ty Cobb. 
boot scooting boogie from 1850. Boot scooting boogie. Boot scooting boogie. Um, um, can I go back to your theory real quick? Because I, I thought you hit on a really interesting topic. Yeah, go for it. Finding new ways to reach new audiences, right? Mm-hmm. So every ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, whenever they get a chance, it's going to be Yankees, Red Sox, right? Ratings, That's there's more fans in Boston, New York baseball fans, I should say, than any other market. It's a, one of the bigger rivalries, blah, blah, blah. So every single chance a national TV game is available, it's Red Sox, Yankees. And why do they do that? Because the ratings say it gets them the most money. However, to your point, I experienced this on the CBS Sports side of things where we don't broadcast baseball. However, we have social media channels. For us to reach new audiences and to gain new followers on the social media accounts, we post things other than the mainstream because we're trying to reach new people. Similarly, if you're a baseball audience, say Phoenix, Arizona, or the Texas Rangers, who have not won a World Series, to reach new audiences, that's actually, in the long run, better for baseball because you are reaching an audience that you have not reached before. 100%. So the easy answer, the low-hanging fruit is Yankees-Red Sox because you are guaranteed money. The little bit of a, the, the road less traveled, however... The most beneficial in the long run, in my opinion, for Major League Baseball to grow the game is by having franchises such as the Diamondbacks and the Rangers be a part sure. of the biggest game. And it's not going to be great ratings wise, but I think in the long run, you're it will be after one of them wins a World Series this year. And you're going to have more people in Phoenix watching baseball and you're going to have more people. There's already a lot of people in Arizona, Texas Those are two big baseball states, of course. But yeah. those teams, there's going to be more people rooting for those teams following this fall classic. Look, I have so many, like a majority of like my Facebook is like friends from back home. It's football country number one. Um, but they 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 like the Rangers. They love when the Rangers play well, but they're not like diehards. There's some of them are, but let me tell you, my Facebook has been all about number one hating the Astros. <laughs> I have a lot of buddies that are Astros fans too, because I am mean, from Texas. It's split, but North Texas, where I'm from, it's Rangers, and it has just been like all about baseball. And so many people, so many buddies, messaging me like, "What do you think about this? What do you got on this starter?" And they're talking baseball with me because their Rangers are in it, mm-hmm. and they're they're intrigued by this team. They are locked into. It's it's part of sports, right? You pay more attention when the team is good, <laughs> right? Yep. So it's like all these fans that were just casual fans, now they are locked. So let them win a World Series, and that's going to be probably all of next season. It's just how it works. Let's talk about the Rangers for a bit here. Hold on. Speaking of, that's so funny. You said, let's talk about the Rangers, and Jeff Bannister just texted me. <laughs> what did he say? So he was my manager when I played in Texas. Mm. So that's another tie to the Diamondbacks for me because he's their bench coach. Right. I, I just text him and just told him how happy I was for him. And I mean, can't see it, but I mean, he sent long text back. I got to read it later. I can't focus on it right now, but he's just, he fits that. Like he fits that team. Like he just blue collar country boy. Like you have a lot of connections in this series. I have a lot of, I mean, both sides, both sides. Yeah. I mean, 
a little right. bit to Texas, way more to Arizona. Yeah. I, like I said, I was a Texas fan. Uh, one of my favorite teammates I had, I was in AAA with the Rangers in 2017. Brett Hayes was our catcher. And uh, he's the bullpen coach for the Rangers. So I talk to him all the time. And then a ton of people I know still work over there for the Rangers from when I was there. And uh, it's just good people, really good people. So I'm really happy for them just because there's a lot of people that have been through there. They were there when they were good in the early 2010s. And then they were still there when they sucked up until the last couple of years. So uh, a lot of people behind the scenes that you'll never see because they don't have a jersey. But, um, man, there's just good people. I'm glad to see all these people, like you said, on both sides getting to the peak of the sport. This is pretty cool. Texas Rangers, another narrative that's been dominating the conversation recently is that they have bought their way into the World Series. And I, wanna, I saw your post. I saw your post. I want to shoot that down a little bit. It, it's a balance, right? You got to be also to part money. of the game, right? You got to be why to... you go out and get a certain GM, right? Because yeah. he, he has a feel for the guys you want. You have to build. I, I'm going to shut up in just a second. I'll let you go, but I don't want to lose this thought. Chris Young, their GM and who oversees all their baseball operations. I, I He is going to be the model for GMs across baseball. And we'll get to Craig Breslow with the Red Sox later on in this, in this, in this pod. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see more teams go that route with not just any X player and X, these are Ivy leaguers. Like you went to Yale. I get it. Um, Breslow did. I, I don't, I think, I think Chris Young went to Princeton, right? Am I making that up? Kind of sound. Um, you got drafted straight out of high school. Wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Princeton. Good job. He did Good go to Princeton. You. Okay. I mean, us, Ivy, golf leaguers. Good, us, us golf. Ivy leaguers got to stick together, you know? Um, <laughs> My guy, you barely passed high school. Shut up. I was like, you wouldn't, have, you, would, you wouldn't have passed high school had you not got drafted. Bro, I was number five in my class. Yeah, I would have been number five in my class if I was getting drafted by the Red Sox, too. Shut up. Dude. I was smart. I had a 30 on my ACT. And you were the punter. So they needed you for the Texas high school football team. No chance you got straight A's. The punter. I was a quarterback on a state championship team, but suck my ass. <laughs> he showed up to class twice. Nah. I was actually I was actually, believe it or not, a good student. While you're shitting on me. All jokes aside, I actually was like straight A student my whole life. I I actually I had one beat in my life. you this is a I'm still fucking furious about this. And emphasis on fucking furious. <laughs> I the uh, my only B in my entire fucking life was in fucking art class. Ah, this fucking lady, Miss Singletary. I, f- I don't want to roast her too bad. Cause I don't know what her current. She's not listening. Is. She's not listening. No, I, I know. She, I know she's not listening. She probably can't hear at this point, but she, I'll put it this way. My dad was a coach at the high school. My mom was an art teacher. Okay. My dad had just come to the high school. They knew all all of his kids were there, and my mom was an art teacher, and they knew they were all trying to find a place for my mom to teach at the high school. This lady thought my mom was coming for her job, so she made my life hell. She gave me an 89 because she knew it was just going to completely fuck my GPA, which I didn't need, you fucking dickhead, because I went to pro (laughs) ball. But 
don't clip this and put it on the internet because it's a lot of f bombs about my art teacher. But my own, she knew what she was doing. It, you really gonna give me a B in art class? Meanwhile, I'm crushing calculus and rocket science down the hallway. Are you kidding me? This about my paper mache football. She failed me. Not failed me. It felt like I, she failed me. I'm glad I could get that out. I need to get that out. That's been bottled up for a long time. So just to clarify, your one B in grade school was from a teacher who did not enjoy sports. What a coincidence, Brooksy. Bro. How do you give me an 89 in art can unless I fl- you're just trying to fist me? Can I flip the script on you and say that I actually met my wife in art class in high school? It's great. I loved so- my art class. I just hated my teacher who hated me more. So there you go. So there could be, you know, goods and bads about art class. It's not all bad as long as you don't have Miss Singletary. Singleton. I messed that up, but she didn't deserve it. Let's move on because I'm peated. I don't remember where. Buying like, a team. Buying a team. team. Texas Rangers buying a team. They didn't buy their team. They bought some of them, but that's part of the te- that's part of it. Oh, I got away from my point. I got away from my there point. I was trying thank to you, I was trying you. to really thank, thank, thank you. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. How much how many energy drinks? Do you I drink? was over here shaking because I'm already I, you, I got me fired up about that fucking troll. Anyways. How many energy drinks have you drank this morning? Concerned. I have one energy drink like every other day. Okay. I had a cup of coffee. Okay. It's not that bad. I just be happy I did or I'd be dead right now. I wouldn't I like I wouldn't I'd be so boring if I didn't have some caffeine. Well, maybe you've been dealing with sick kids. You got me off the tracks again. Can we talk about the Rangers, bro? Buying a team. So talking about building a team and Chris Young and his ability to know how this shit works, right? Like, Buying a team, Chris Young, Princeton, grades, high school. Don't do this. Don't stop. Now, now, now I'm I was you back, back and now you, you're fucking me up again. Chris Young. I, I'm making a good point if you shut up. <laughs> Chris Young is going to be the model for a lot of teams with their GM searches, okay? Because of his ability, to, teams need guys to understand clubhouses that are building teams. Because it's not all about just like your bat path and your spin rate and your OBP and your slug. It's not about that. Like you can win with less numbers and more of like a camaraderie in a clubhouse. It's true. And health. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you need all of it. It's not, I'm not saying don't pay attention to numbers because that's super important. But when you're building you a clubhouse, you have to make sure like, okay, these guys work together. Like these guys mesh like that. They're meshing. They're sticking together. They're one. Got it. That's important. It's very important. And that's what you've seen with guys who understand that aspect of baseball is, is putting a group of guys together that will play for each other. They're going to play their asses off because they hold each other accountable. And when your clubhouse can police everything and your manager doesn't have to that's the best team and when you have a gm who played in the big leagues for a long time building a team he understands that that's all now I'll talk about it, whatever you want to talk about and we've talked about this before we talked about it with the dodgers dominance and uh the mets and the padres failures this year because it's a balance you got to be able to build a team and buy a team and develop a team right because yeah, it felt like the mets hated each other 
maybe you know i i, I can't prove that but no the, i can't either but it, it it was a bad vibe it felt like to me but losing will do that losing will do that the proof's in the pudding too but like like yes the rangers bought half the roster simeon and seager and i don't care Degrom, sure. Why do people care? Why does that matter? I I think there's the best teams will spend money, right? But there there's this like innocence in this. It, it feels more organic when you can like if the Orioles went on the win. It's the also a lot harder to win that way. Great, <laughs> and and again, I say the proof's in the pudding, and we really right. haven't seen a team with a minuscule payroll end up on top. You know, it's, it's the balance. one team that built the most and had the most success was the Houston Astros. And it's a combination. Right. They, but but like once they built and they got to a certain point, then every year you have to add, add, right. add. Like, and you're adding. You're not going to add bench players. Mm-hmm. You're going to add superstars on top of what you already have. That's that's part of building success. Josh Young, Texas Rangers draft pick. Evan Texas Carter. Tech, went to Texas Tech. Texas Rangers draft pick. Adolphus. Evan Carter turned 21 on August 29th, by the way. What? Yeah. And he's he's reached base in every single postseason game. He's a freak, dude. He's going to be there. They better go Atlanta Braves on him and offer seven years 100 this yeah, offseason. Adolis Garcia. He was passed on by every single team. 2021, right? Uh, sounds right. 2020. Well, he was. He, he was with the Cardinals at one point, but yeah. he got put on waivers by the Rangers in 2021. Yep. No one picked him up, so he stayed with the Rangers organization, got back to the big leagues, and now look. Leody Tavares signed as an international free agent, which yep. means all thir- 29 other teams had the chance to sign him too. Jose Leclerc signed as an international free agent. Played with him when I was in Texas. And by the way, Chris Young deserves this credit. He traded for Nathaniel Lau, Mitch Garver, Jonah Heim, Jordan Montgomery, Max Scherzer, and Aroldis Chapman. Those are all trades. That's not... Here's a blank check. Come here to Texas. It's sure. no, let's work out a deal here in the front office. So to just say that the, the Texas Rangers are in the World Series because of a blank check and a checkbook that they have in their desks, that's not totally true. It's well, a they also they also spent what eight hundred million dollars. They're the eighth, seventh or eighth highest payroll in baseball. You know, so I don't care if they're for, like you. I don't care. Like you can. Anybody can miss me with a, I, I don't care how you got there as long as you got there. That's all that matters to me. I don't care if you have every one of your players drafted and signed internally. I don't care if you signed everybody off the streets from the Mexican Winter League. I don't give a shit. You either win or you don't. And you either have the recipe for success or you don't. I don't care how you got there. That's just people looking to find ways to be negative about a team. That's all it is. I saw this, speaking of money, I saw this stat somewhere on Twitter. I apologize whoever shared it. I don't know who to credit here. Somebody said the Yankees won 82 games this year and it was one of the worst seasons and everybody's fuming and everybody's in flames in New York because the Yankees only won 82 games this year. The Diamondbacks only won two more two more games than the Yankees this year and they're headed to the World Series. That's amazing. It's kind of a funny perspective. Adolis Garcia. Adolis Garcia. I just want to share this little story because I think people will enjoy his journey here. Feel free to uh, chime in. So Adolis Garcia went to play baseball in Japan at 23 years old after growing up, born and raised in Cuba. Cubans are forbidden to play in the United States. They are allowed to go to, to Japan, however, to play baseball. But the bulk of their salaries, excuse me, let me say that one more time. The bulk of their salaries must return to the Cuban government if they go to play in Japan. 
while Dolores Garcia went to Japan, never had any intentions of returning to Cuba. On his flight back from Japan, Adolis had a layover in Paris. Rather than getting on his flight back home to Cuba, he got on a plane headed for the Dominican Republic, where he reunited with his wife. He established residency, and he became international free agent with intentions on playing Major League Baseball, following in the footsteps of his brother. 2017, he signed with the Cardinals for $2.5 million with a non-roster invite to spring training. Had a lot of power, but there were concerns with his contact or lack thereof. Three years after defecting from Cuba, he was DFA'd by the Cardinals. The Cardinals traded Garcia to the Texas Rangers for cash considerations on December or in December of 2019. A year later, the Rangers designated him for assignment because they weren't sold on him either. All 29 other teams that we kind of are touched on this already, but all 29 other teams passed on him on waivers. So he went back to the Rangers. He was outrighted and given a non-roster invite to spring training. After starting the season, this is now April 2021. After starting the season in the minor leagues, Garcia was called up to the Rangers on April 13, 2021, and he never looked back. Rookie of the month in his first true big league opportunity. He's an all-stars rookie season, and here in 2023, he smashed 39 bombs, 107 ribbies, named an all-star again, and now ALCS MVP. Hit a home run in four straight games, set a record for most RBI in a series in MLB history. Quite the story. Unbelievable, man. It's cool. I love it. I love shit like that. And people wonder, like, why do these Cuban players, why do these Latin players, like, why are they so flashy? Why are they? Bro, they're having fun. He, he, like, he escaped. (laughs) This is way more than baseball. It's about, like, him living a good life, his family living a good life, out from under the hand of that government over there that we don't have to get into that, but unbelievable man just and to see what he did in that series in houston with that fan base on top of him in that first game he struck out four times to start his day and i'm going he's gonna have a platinum sombrero bro he's gonna have five of these things and then clipped them grand slam 150 off the bat right and then obviously what he did in the you know the last game he went deep twice right Mm -hmm. he's a fun player dude those cubans man they're fun they're are they all jacked, by the way? Yes. They, they all kind of, a Rosarena, him, Soler, like all these guys are just yoked. They come out the womb just carrying a kettlebell or a dumbbell. <laughs> Something. Baseball bat. Yeah, that too. Yeah, they are all. I mean, I can't think of one Cuban player that is not absolutely just jacked. I know. That's like the one thing I'm thinking of. Like, who, what Cuban player is not? Luis, Luis Robert. Jacked. Jacked. You remember Rusty Castillo? He was a yeah. He got he drafted. Yoked. He got drafted. By the way, did you see that? Yeah, and Qatar. Qatar. They had some cool names in that draft. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun to see. Yeah, they have like this new league and Pablo Sandoval. Pablo went third Sandoval. overall. Yeah, Bartolo Colon went. I love that Pablo, like in his like hype video, was like doing like the championship belt, but he's known in Boston for like when he busted his belt because he's so fat. It's not true. Over here on the West Coast, he's known for three titles, baby. Yeah, I'm talking about in Boston. That's why I said in Boston. Yeah. Two titles, actually. Two titles, I think he won here. Eh, maybe it was. No, it was three. I think he won it was three. 10 and 12. Was he on 14? He was there in 14. He was there in 14, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Too bad he's a piece of shit. <laughs> you wanted to talk on your buddy Craig Breslow taking over at the helm for the Boston Red Sox. A Pres- little bit. I mean, I haven't heard. Uh, I, I sent once a 
information all came out, you know, I sent the, I sent a, uh, just like a gift, a gift to him of just like two guys like dapping it up and he just yeah. like hearted it. I don't want to bother him right now. I know everybody's blowing him up, but, um, that just like one of the good guys who gets it, who's obviously a, a genius when it comes to the pitching side of things, the analytical thing, like all that and like the metrics and everything that you have to know to be in that position of, as a chief baseball chief of baseball operations. Uh, what I thought was interesting is like, it's another guy whose name starts with C or his initials are CB and he went to Yale. So did Heim Bloom. CB went to Yale. Theo also the last also Theo Heim Bloom Breslow all Jewish all went to Yale. I think they have a type in Boston. Mm. Yeah. It's a good connection. Yes. I mean, Ben Ben Sherrington was Ben Sherrington yep. was in there, and Dombrowski were in there too. So it's not just, but like that's three guys that are from Yale. That's we all do. Be. We all do have a type. Okay. Every every single one of like us you, blonde, type. nurse, sugar mama. Facts. I'm all bored with that. <laughs> we're on the <laughs> same plan, buddy. Same plan. <laughs> hey, listen up. Listen up. Well, I'm all right. We're doing just fine for ourselves. Facts. So the Boston Red Sox GM uses gifts. That's good to know. Uh, yeah, he's one of the boys. He's one of the 13 dirt dogs. Right? No, I think that's 13 that. World, World Series champs. Hey, I want to throw this out there. It's important. I have zero inside information. Nothing like that. This is just like what I would love to see happen. So the Boston Red Sox uh, fired Dave Bush, their pitching coach. Um, so there's a vacancy in that, uh, that, that spot in that position. I would love to see Andrew Bailey get that, get that job. He's a pitching coach for the giants. I don't know his contract situation. I know he's from, he, he lives in Connecticut in the off season. He was also, he also played in Boston with me and Craig Breslow. So there's a connection there and he's done some really good things as a pitching coach in San Fran. So. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he's still under contract in San Francisco. Oh, really? Perfect. But with Bob Melvin now coming in from San Diego, Bob Melvin might want his own guys. He might, or he might want to keep Andrew Bailey because he's a good guy. Yeah, he's Bob Melvin's guy. one of the good ones. I don't know. So I was just like, I saw Brez, and I like, and I was like, man, that'd be sick if he went and got Andrew Bailey too. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Bob Melvin, speaking of having a type. West Coast. He was a manager of the Mariners, Diamondbacks, A's, Padres, now Giants. That's five West Where's Coast. He, isn't he from like the San Fran area? I felt like see where he's look up where he's from. That could play into this. From Palo Alto. I also think what's playing, huh? He's born in Palo Alto. Where is that? Isn't Stanford, that where Stanford, Stanford is? Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. yeah. And then he But where is that? Is that close to San Fran? Yeah. Depending on traffic, 20 minute drive. Perfect. He's gonna live at home. Yeah. So that that's a big part of it because he's probably like, oh, I'll finish my career there. And then I I don't I don't have I don't know for sure, but there's been rumblings that him and Preller just didn't see eye to eye on a lot. Yeah. Which Preller Preller's had Preller. a ton of managers, dude. AJ, man, I, I what's the common denominator here with all these managers going in and out? Philly man. I, I'm not calling for anybody's job. That's not what I do. No, but he is 
Okay, AJ Preller is like the guy that is like head over heels in love with this girl and they date for a year and they break up and then two weeks later he's head over heels in love with someone else for six mm -hmm. months and then they break up. And but every time, every time he starts a new relationship, she's the one. She's the one. We're living a happy life together. We're getting married. We're having a family. Boom, break up. But like, you know what I mean? Like he's that guy. Yeah. I don't know about his love life. I'm just, it's, it's an analogy. If you include interim managers, he's now looking for a seventh manager in nine years since taking over the Padres. If you do not, if if you don't want to include interim managers, which which that's you know that's fair. Pat Murphy, Pat Murphy, Dave Roberts. I, actually. I was there for that. That's why I know that. Were you there when Dave Roberts was the interim manager for one game? Uh, twenty fifteen. Uh, yes, yes, I was. Well, if you don't, Dave Roberts count, is goaded. By the way, I love that guy. Go ahead. You, it, let's ignore interim managers. AJ Peller is now searching for his fifth manager in nine years. Still not great. I think when you take a franchise like the Padres that is has a history of losing and uh, not great they culture, have a history of losing, but look at their roster right now. Like they right. are set to win right now. Yeah, and I, I just and, and it wasn't. I mean, Bob Melvin was the perfect guy for that clubhouse, in my opinion. And yet they still couldn't win. So, I, honestly, there's a lot of finger pointing when you are built to win and you don't win. But at the end of the day, with that roster, that's on the players, dude. Yes, it's on the players because they they have they have AJ Preller put all the players in place to win. Mm -hmm. Guys underperformed. There's no way around it. I think I love Xander Bogarts, but I think that's the most underwater contract in baseball. They're gonna probably they're talking about moving him to third base, right? Or not third base. What are they thinking first, about moving? First base. First, first base. First base. Yeah. And it was a corner. They're like, not third, because that's Manny. Manny's only got like a year or two left, right? Uh no, he just signed an extension. <laughs> See, I don't pay attention to these dildos on the West Coast. Big W for San Francisco, though, because they're trying to Otani? Yes. Because now you get rid of Gabe Kapler, who was analytics, analytics, analytics. Now you get Bob Melvin, who's a little bit more of a balance. Yeah. A little bit he more managed Ichiro at one point. He maybe he gets Ichiro to make a call. That's a stretch, but maybe. It was a joke, but yeah. Um, Otani's not going to San Fran. Oh, he might. Yeah, Arson Judge, too. All right, if Otani gets to San Francisco, we switch houses. I get yours, you get mine. Mm, okay, I need, a new, I need a new pool heater. You got that? It's fine. Deal. I just replaced both AC units in the last year and a half, so you're good there. New roof, new floors. Just I just got house. I just got solar. You can have my solar. That's tax cut. I'll take it. You're but, gonna need it living in California. But you're gonna have to continue the payments because I'm still making payments on it. Oh, okay, mine's paid for. So good luck. You're welcome. <laughs> Kings season opener tonight, baby. Kings, what is that? Hockey. Sacramento. What? The Bruins are undefeated, right? Sorry That's about cool, it, man. Nobody cares. Oh, but they care about the Kings. Like the beam, baby. Like I don't know one player who you you guys still got Chris Weber. We were in the playoffs last year. We're I don't watch bat. I don't watch basketball, dude. De'Aaron Fox. Ring I don't watch basketball. Ring a bell, De'Aaron Fox. Nothing. Uh, no. Jeez. Oh, Even if I knew, I wouldn't have said yes. World Series, baby. It's here. We're here. We're here. We'll here. be back in a couple days. We'll I would like to do another preview for the World Series. So would Brooksies. We'll be back later this week, people. This was fun. Welcome to the Fall Classic. Enjoy. I can't believe I got a B in, in our class. That's all I'm going to end this with. Bye. Thanks a lot, Miss Singleton. <laughs>